some jaws of life back in cave town that's what's going to take to pop this bitch figure something out i know you think you're doing her a favor however she talked you into doing this she lied brother Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 112, entitled Whatever the Case May Be. First, a big thanks to Nicole on Twitter, who said, quote, I'm loving your podcast and I don't like Jack either. So thank you very much, Nicole. It certainly is nice to know that we uh, Jack haters can uh, band together against him and try and overthrow his future brief rule of the island. Um, you can find me on Twitter, by the way, at twitter.com slash lookingbacklost, and other contact information will be found at the end of this podcast. Uh, anyhow, let's get on to the episode now, uh, starting, of course, with the Wikipedia summary. In flashbacks, Kate is in New Mexico, applying for a bank loan using an alias. Three masked men with guns enter and attempt to rob the bank. One of the thieves pulls Kate into a back room after the situation is handled, and they share a kiss, revealing that Kate is part of the robbery. The man hits Kate to make it look as if she's an innocent civilian and threatens to kill her unless the manager takes them to the cash vaults. In the back, one of the robbers tells the manager that the whole robbery was Kate's idea. However, she shoots the felons and tells the manager to open safety deposit box 815, the true reason for the robbery. The manager opens the safety deposit box and Kate takes whatever is in the safety deposit box. On the island, while swimming near a waterfall, Kate and Sawyer find a locked Halliburton suitcase in some sunken wreckage. Kate wants it, but refuses, uh, refuses to tell Sawyer what's inside, so he takes it. Elsewhere, Saeed asks Shannon to help him translate Danielle Rousseau's French notes. Also, Rose comforts Charlie by telling him what happened to Claire isn't his fault and that he did everything he could. Kate goes to Jack and says that the case contains weapons, it belonged to the U.S. Marshal that was escorting her back to the U.S., and the key is buried with him. They dig up the body, and Kate pulls out his wallet. Before giving it to Jack, she palms the key, but Jack catches her. Saeed is impatient with Shannon when her translation does not make any sense. Upset, Shannon runs away, saying that she's useless. Jack gives Sawyer an ultimatum. If he does not hand over the case, Jack will stop giving him antibiotics for his knife wound. Afraid of getting an infection for his wound, Sawyer hands over the case. At the caves, Jack and Kate open the case. There are guns inside and a manila envelope, which Jack gives to Kate. She opens it and pulls out a toy airplane. When pressured, Kate says it belongs to the man she loved and killed. As night falls on the beach, Charlie, distraught, begs Rose for help, and she prays with him. Shannon tells Saeed that she recognizes Rousseau's notes as La Mer the original French version of Beyond the Sea, which featured in a French-dubbed animated film. By her campfire, Kate stares at the toy plane. And now with that, let's get into my thoughts about the episode. Uh, in honor of the fact that the show doesn't do a previously on Lost at the very beginning of the episode, I'm not going to be complaining 
uh, in a bit when they have dialogue that recaps from previous episodes. It's fine if you want to do that within the confines of the show. But don't, you know, as we've talked about in many previous podcasts before, don't be doing it both previously on Lost and within uh, dialogue in the in the show. So, in a bit, you you, uh, you won't hear me complaining. Anyhow, there's a great opening shot to this episode. It's this long tracking shot uh, through the, the brush and whatnot that then goes up uh, to the, the top of the tree where Kate is picking fruit. It's just a wonderful tracking shot that really shows off the uh, Hawaiian jungle foliage and whatnot. Very well done. Um, concerning the happy swim in the lake, I suppose that at least here that the, the show is equal opportunity. You have shirtless Sawyer and Kate in a tank top and undie ruse. So kind of equal opportunity nudity. Um, however, it's such a frolicky and happy scene that I think that certainly most viewers would not be surprised that, uh, that it ends with something awful. Um, also, speaking of that, something awful, it's nice to see that they don't get uh, smart alky with their, their act out, their end of the act. It's, you know, a, a happy swim that turns grim when, vo- when bodies are discovered. That's good enough for me. That's enough to keep me hooked through the first commercial break. Um, so, you know, I, certainly there have been previous episodes where they almost seem to be constructing some sort of extra drama on top of the drama to keep us, uh, to keep us watching through the commercial break. So it's nice to see here they just play it straight. Uh, decomposing bodies underwater. That's enough to have me come back. Um, by the way, the first beach scene uh, after this uh, initial bit, uh, Jack and Saeed do indeed do a recap, just for the record. As I said, I'm not going to complain. Um, I love, too, how offended, absolutely offended, Shannon gets when she's called useless. It's as though it's the first time anybody has ever called her on that. And, you know, of course, she is a, a tremendously... Uh, useless person, not a useless character, not an, an uninteresting character, but just somebody who's tremendously lazy. Um, but it just seems to upset her so greatly when somebody actually points that out to her. Um, as I mentioned uh, uh, in discussing this, uh, the, the initial shot of the episode, there's just some great camera work in the episode as a whole, uh, particularly when Kate sees Sawyer on the beach with her her case. It's slow motion, it's lingering, it's thoughtful. I know that this episode is directed by Jack Bender, who's the, uh, who of course was the uh, executive producer who was based in Hawaii during the show, um, and also kind of the uh, the Uber director of most of the important episodes. So it's directed by him, and it's also uh, photographed by Larry Fong, uh, who's a uh, director of photography who would go on to do uh, feature movies and whatnot. So just well done in terms of the uh, the camera work and camera shots and whatnot. Um. I like, too, there's this scene where uh, when Kate does go to try and steal the case from Sawyer's uh, tent, it's it's excellent that when she gets caught, um, he flirts. You know, she's kind of on top of him and wrapped. he's wrapped his legs around her. He flirts, and she just headbutts him. Uh, it's kind of like the scene in, in Indiana Jones where the guy wants to fight Indy. I think it's with the... I don't remember if the guy has a sword, perhaps, but you know, it, it looks like it's going to be this long, drawn-out thing. Instead, Indiana Jones just shoots him. Here, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> they're not going to fool around. Kate's not susceptible to, uh, to Sawyer's flirting, so she just, boom, headbutts him. Um, with that, we go to the, uh, the second commercial break, and when we return, uh, the show, in its uh, most earnest uh, literary mode, 
uh, decides to have Shannon sunbathing first on her back, so we get to see her front side, then she rolls over to her belly and does her top. Uh, it certainly is a yummy scene. It's one of, uh, perhaps it, perhaps the show isn't equal opportunity. In, in the you know in the first scene, of course, it's equal opportunity, but here it's just, uh, well, it's just Shannon. Um, at least, though, it does have some sort of uh, purpose. It, it brings Saeed over, who, of course, uh, we know in this episode the two are going to start to be working together with the uh, with the translations, but then also um, at the end of the episode, there's that bit of uh, a sense that there there might be a romantic connection. So anyhow, Shannon sunbathing brings Saeed over, who then uh, approaches her about uh, about translating some of Russo's uh, various crazy scribblings and whatnot. So it's not an entirely unjustified uh, bit of bathing suit skin. And uh, with that, let's move to the first clip. Son of a bitch. You're wasting your time, man. If you pick the lock on a Halliburton, I'll put you on my back and fly us to L.A. You better find yourself a runway, Daddy. There ain't a lock I can't pick. What are you trying to do? Pick the lock on a Halliburton. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> The way you're gonna open that case is with pure force, man. Impact velocity. What the hell is that supposed to mean? You gotta hit it with something hard, like a sledgehammer. <laughs> or the axe. A couple of little thoughts about that clip. First of all, it does seem to me that it's just a tad forced that Michael the construction worker and Hurley the record store worker turned millionaire both know the details of Halliburton suitcases. Perhaps I'm just ignorant in the matter, but the fact that they kind of make such a big deal about it just seems to me a bit forced, a bit hand of the writer saying to the people at home, this is really tough what they're doing. This is really tough to try and get it open. Um, on a slightly more positive note, it does achieve three things in that uh, in that scene. First is we get this information communicated about how hard it is to open the suitcase. Second of all, it gives Michael and Hurley something to do in this episode because they're, they're otherwise not uh, really in the episode at all. Um, so it's, you know, spreading lines around. So we keep carry, you know, various characters, uh, at least in it in a small degree. Um, and third, it is a nice springboard to, uh, one of the many stories that's going on in this episode, which is Michael references the ax. We then cut to Boone having taken the ax, uh, which reminds us that, uh, Boone and, uh, Boone and Locke are off, uh, investigating what we will know as the hatch. Um, as a side note, the number of stories in this episode, we have the flashback story, we have the Kate on Island story, uh, which involves Sawyer and uh, Jack. We have Rose talking to Charlie, then we also have uh, Boone and uh, Boone and Locke, so essentially there's four things going on in this episode. Um, anyhow, with that, let's. Uh, speaking of Rose, let's move on to a clip which features her. Oh, that's right. You're not talking much these days. It doesn't mean you get to be rude. Excuse me? Everybody else is helping us move the camp up the beach, except for you. Are you serious? You think you're the only one on this island that's got something to be sad about? Baby, I got sob stories for you, so why don't you grab the other end of this thing and help me? I love how she references sob stories in the plural. 
given that in later episodes we would learn that she's recovering from terminal cancer. And, of course, that, as we know from, from earlier episodes, as well as future episodes, that her, her husband is missing. Uh, of course, she believes him to be alive. No one else really does. We know that, that indeed he is. Um, I thought, too, uh, the use of Rose in this episode uh, is interesting. I know that there, I, I've read that there are concerns by some, uh, let's say specifically Spike Lee has pointed out how in some movies you'll have African-American characters whose uh, main purpose is to come in and dispense wisdom that the other characters for some reason couldn't have access to. Um, or at least within the context of the, the the show or the movie or whatever it might be, within the context of the story, it's this African-American character who, who brings wisdom that... that uh, somehow uh, otherwise none could could otherwise get there's a bit of that in this episode i don't know that it's uh specifically the sort of trope that that spike lee uh and others point out and discuss and are concerned about in terms of uh proper and appropriate use of black characters but there's some of that here where you know we haven't seen rose for a while and her purpose essentially is to to give kind of folksy uh, wisdom to Charlie who needs it, you know, Charlie in his, in his most dire moment here. So I wasn't entirely sure I was going to bring that up in the podcast. I mean, again, I'm not trying to uh, make a case one way or the other for how the show is treating Rose as a, as a black character. But I think um, it's worth noting that, you know, her, her role in this episode might fit that larger, uh, that that larger trope so i leave that up to you dear listeners moving on something we can all agree on uh there's uh some wonderful chemistry between saeed and shannon uh as the translating is going on there's just a little uh glances back and forth here and there uh i mean good chemistry is good chemistry you can have great actors who just don't quite click uh with this you have some pretty darn good actors who just really seem to have a spark i don't know what the origin of the saeed shannon um attraction and romance was i don't know at what point the the writers decided to go there but it's i mean you just kind of get the feeling that the the two characters at the very least connect perhaps they hated each other's guts um in in, as actors um but there's just there's a little bit of a spark there that's nice that the show builds on um now moving on i I had uh, mentioned earlier in the show how uh how nicole had said on twitter uh, about you know how she doesn't like Jack either. We Jack haters. This to be fair though, this is an episode where Jack is doing his normal stuff, which is uh, kind of being judgmental and giving crap to people. Well, finally Jack is giving crap to someone who deserves it, and I mean that one hundred percent genuinely. Take a listen and see if you agree. We got a problem. We have a problem, or you have a problem. What was in the case? Some traveling money, some of his personal stuff, and four nine millimeters with a few boxes of ammo. <sighs> so what else is in the case? What? What else is in the case, Kate? Nothing. That's the truth. Just the guns. And that, of course, uh, was actually three uh, three different clips kind of uh, stitched together. Uh, so apologies if you thought that was one continuous thing there. Anyhow, as I said, Jack is finally giving crap to someone who deserves it. Kate has come running to him like she's got a skin knee and he needs to solve it. 
Uh, and he reads the situation 100% properly. He sees that Sawyer just having the guns, while concerning, it's not worth the degree of effort that Kate is giving. He he smells a rat here. That combined with the fact that he knows Kate's background, he's seen her in action before, he, he uh, it's just so nice to see Jack using his his quote-unquote evil powers, his jerky powers, his judgmental powers, and here he's using it at the perfect time and hitting home run with it and giving her a hard time the entire time. He doesn't let up one bit uh, in an episode where she's incredibly flawed, and we'll we'll discuss uh, the episode as a whole uh, as as it starts to wrap up. But it's it's well done, Jack. Finally, we something we can agree on. Um, speaking of Jack and Kate too, there's a nice bit of solving. Uh, there's there, there's a problem that the writing solves very very quickly given this issue of why isn't the marshal burned uh, with the other bodies in the fuselage. The show confronts that head-on. Why, Kate asks, why wasn't he burned? And Jack says, because I had to. Uh, calling back to Jack's inability to care for the marshal properly. So you could just see like them sitting in the writing room going, um, yeah, the marshal died before uh, the fuselage. Da, 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 da. It's all perfectly solved right here. No continuity error, just with, with a question and a quick answer, you say, okay. I get it. It doesn't make physical sense to bury the marshal when the other bodies are going to be burned uh, in terms of, you know, Jack's own energy and this sort of thing. But in the soul, it makes sense. For one's emotions, it makes sense. So well done. Also in that scene, by the way, when they dig up the marshal's body, the actors really sell the notion that his decomposing corpse stinks to high heaven. It's just, it's a gross scene to watch and not because of the the pretty effective looking dummy that they have that looks all gross and and whatnot and not because of the maggots in the wallet it's the actors just sitting there looking like they're about to vomit over the stench of this guy um but anyhow i guess now's a good time as any to talk a little bit about kate as a whole in this episode what makes this episode interesting is that it works to make kate more and more unlikable both on the island and in the flashback this isn't the case of, quote-unquote, the man redeemed in some of the other stories, you know, Locke, the man redeemed, Saeed, the man redeemed, or or even, um, you know, some of these cases, uh, or, you know, or, or even characters that we're going to see, um, like, how could things possibly be this way with so-and-so or so-and-so? It's, it's just so interesting that they really make Kate unlikable in this episode, and that's perhaps why I don't uh, respond very strongly to this episode. Not that I'm a huge Kate fan, but they're just, it's almost like they're going out of their way to just drag her through the ringer off island, drag her through the ringer on island. Um, however, there was a great scene. I, almost, I wonder if Jack and Sawyer somehow are listening to the podcast because Jack and Sawyer go head to head at one moment and things are different uh, compared to when they were fighting over Shannon's uh, inhaler. So take a listen. Figured she gets you to do her dirty work for her. So what? We're going to wrestle for it? No, you're going to give it to me. Am I? Yeah. I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah. Why would I want to do that? Cephalexin. Yeah, go on. That's the antibiotic I've been giving you for the knife wound in your arm. You're right in the middle of a treatment cycle. Now, if I keep giving you the pills, you're going to be as right as rain. But I'm going to stop giving you the pills. For two days, you're going to think you're all good. 
and it's going to start to itch. Day after that, the fever is going to come, and you're going to start seeing red lines running up and down your arm. Day or two after that, you'll beg me to take the case, just to cut off your arm. That's a nice story, Jack. And even if it were true, I don't think you could do it. You're wrong. Jack has learned from experience, or perhaps my tips in the podcast, I don't know, but he's learned from experience to uh, to conf- not just confront Sawyer, say, I need this, do it now. He comes to Sawyer and he proposes a bargain. This is precisely what I've been saying in previous podcasts. The deal, of course, is to give up the case in exchange for antibiotics. And it, it works. It works. Um, it's just well done. You see Sawyer as the practical person. Sawyer is somebody who can be dealt with. Um, now let's talk a little bit about more about the episode as a whole. Of course, at, you know, at the very end, uh, the, the, um, the case is opened. There's some guns. There's some ammo. There's some other odds and ends. And there's Kate's envelope, which it is revealed is da, 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 a plastic plane. That plastic plane is the most aggravating thing about this episode. Because it's a mystery about which no one really cares, at least in this episode. I don't feel any strong connection. And the the resolution of this mystery, which is, it was a toy plane, and it was for a man she loved, a man she loved, a man she killed. I, I don't care. It, it, it doesn't have me connected, connected to the episode at any time. And this mystery also ends up being fairly useless. I know that it's, it's you know, the, the, boy, the boyhood friends, the boyfriend's... Um, uh, plastic plane and i'll admit it's been a while since i've seen that episode so perhaps there's some big revelation there but within the course of the of the uh the progression of the show her little background about this plane is as i recall not particularly interesting we don't know why kate's running uh from it from this plastic you know how why she runs has no connection to the plastic plane again as i recall um although there might be some now that i Again, I, I will admit, dear listeners, I'm a bit uh, rusty on, uh, on on that. I mean, I'm looking ahead to to the Hatch, to Ben, to the others, to Othersville, to Desmond, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly, I think we can agree that within that list, um, Kate's flashback involving uh, this plastic plane is very, very low in the list. Um, it's just frustrating because even within this episode, it's not the most important thing that's going on. There's Charlie's grief. There's the the hatch. I mean, they're not at the hatch. We don't know it's a hatch, but there's there's that business going on. It, it, it's not like like let's let's talk about the hatch for a moment. When the hatch opens up at the end of season one, at least something is answered. Like because the the whole question is how do you get it open? Well, they open it, and then it leads to at least there's the answer. Can it be opened? Yes, and that then leads to another question. This is just another question. What's in there? An airplane? Like, that's not an answer. That There's no bit of resolution there. Just makes me grumpy, this episode. Um, and, and there's such nice parts to it. The Saeed Shannon bit is nice. And in fact, let's, uh, let's get to a clip there and, um, and discuss. A guy from Central Bay. He had this kid. A real snot who hated me. His name was Laurent. 
He watched this movie over and over and over again, every day, all day, like kids do, 900 times. It was the cartoon about fish. You know, one of the computer ones. Why are you telling me this? Because the movie was dubbed in French, and at the end there was the song. There's notations. There's song lyrics. And your French woman, she's just like Laurent because she wrote them over and over and over again. What's the song? La mer, Though this is not a fantastic episode, in my opinion, it does have a nice ending. This is a music montage that makes sense, including Boone looking rather stalkingly on from the distance as uh, Shannon and Saeed talk. We don't know yet that Boone is uh, only related to Shannon by marriage, the the marriage of their parents. We also don't know that Boone and Shannon have knocked boots. So his... uh, his, uh, Jealous look certainly is uh, retrospectively, uh, um, you know, it makes sense. Overall, though, this is a flat episode. It's a flashback that shares little. We knew Kate was a baddie, and we see her being a baddie. Uh, it's an on-island story that shows that Kate is broken, which we knew. Uh, the B story of Charlie talking to Rose and getting her wisdom is is more interesting, I would argue, than the two Kate stories. Um, given that it's about survivor guilt, it's about discovering one's own grave limitations, it's about finding out, uh, about being told what you can't do, and that it's right, that there are some things that you can't do, and even the, the mini-arc of Shannon and Saeed coming together, that's more interesting than Kate's stupid flashback. Um, with that, uh, let's move on to Lostpedia, to see what little bits and pieces I've missed along the way. Uh, They note that this is the first time, of course, that uh, the toy plane that Kate cares about is uh, seen. It's later seen to be belonging to Tom Brennan, who is Kate's childhood friend and the man she killed. Uh, This episode features the first appearance of the waterfall, says Lostpedia, which would appear again in Expose and 316. And last but not least, the uh, -the behind-the-scenes reason for the unusual tides that are about to submerge the fuselage uh, the actual reason was the actual seasonal tides on the north shore of Oahu that would eventually have flooded the shooting uh, site for real, thereby submerging the fuselage set and causing an ecological disaster, of course, with all those plane parts. Therefore, an in-story reason had to be found for the survivors moving to their camp, uh, moving their camp to a different location. Uh, I know that there's reference to on Lostpedia about how... Um, about how uh, 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 Saeed makes reference to the tide is coming in faster than it normally would and how this is a reference to time shifting and whatnot. I mean, to me, if something is mumbled along the way about Saeed, it's not uh, a, a canon reference towards the science of the island. It's just they're trying to come up with some sort of explanation on, you know, strange islands is how strange things happen uh, because they actually need to pick up sticks and move somewhere else because of this real-life uh, reason. With that, dear listeners, let's look ahead to next week. Next week will be episode 113 titled Hearts and Minds. Uh, certainly, if you have any comments about that episode uh, ahead of time that you'd like to uh, to share and perhaps uh, her, uh, hear in the, the podcast for 113, uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Feel free to send me an email, which I'll mention in a moment. Uh, leave a comment on the webpage. Uh, leave a vo- uh, email me a voice comment, etc. Just a reminder, too, that new episodes hit the website on Fridays. They uh, hit iTunes on Saturday and uh, the Lost Podcasting Network over the weekend. 
And uh, now, as mentioned, my contact info. You can say hello to me on Twitter, where I'm looking back lost. You can send an email, either a text email or a voice message to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. The webpage is lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. And last but not least, you can always find the podcast on iTunes, download past episodes, leave reviews, etc. So thank you very much for listening yet again. And this is always so much fun. And I uh, look forward to joining you all again next week for 113 Hearts and Minds. Bye-bye. My nonsense, okay? Do you ever think that after 16 years on Mystery Frickin' Island, your friend might not be quite adjusted? <laughs>